Welcome. My guest today on the show is Andy Chu. I met Andy at Google, but I've, I've gotten to know him better uh, since he left Google a couple years ago. Let's start with uh, your, your background. When did you first get interested in computers? I was thinking about this a little yesterday. I had some computers around, but I would say there was only really in high school or in middle school, there was a period when I was like 13 or 14 when I was like, yeah, my friends and my, my neighbor, like Ryan, they were calling BBSs. So okay. I remember yeah. the, you know, bulletin board systems. This is probably like 91 or 92. No, it's probably 92, 93. So like pre internet or. Yeah. I remember getting into BBSs as well around that time. I mostly used them for, for door games at the time. Did, oh, door games? What, or? what did you do? What, what, what did you use on BBSs? I think I, I used the forums a lot. And, uh. Was it connected to Usenet? Later, yeah. Oh, I, I, I did use Usenet through BBSs. So that was a big, yeah. I, did, I used Usenet. I guess the, and somehow I got into making, um, like ANSI art. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like a very, like, very specific thing in a specific time, but yeah. So there were, uh, message boards on the BBS where people would, like, share different ANSI arts. Yeah, essentially. Right. Yeah, my, my friends were on it. It was kind of, it was kind of interesting. So I think that's, that's really the period where I learned the most about computers. I think I had, like, a 386. SX or something. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when the interest in computers turned to programming? I think it was around that time period. I think I did like like logo in like elementary school or something, but I had no real I have no real memory of it and I wasn't I don't think I was particularly interested in it. I think I just did kind of whatever was in the class. I see. So yeah, I think it was around that period when I was thirteen or fourteen that I got interested in programming. But I wasn't very good at it. I mean, there's, I think, okay, so two, I was thinking about this yesterday too. So two memories I had were like, I read like the whole DOS 5.0 manual. Like, okay, yeah, like cover yeah. Because <laughs> I thought, I don't know. Did, did you like retain it as you were reading it or, or, or was it mostly over your head? I think I did, I, I did learn how to write like batch files. Oh, okay. That, that, yeah, that's I remember like crazy. the, Auto-exec bet. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what I did with it, but you just write stuff that started when your computer yeah, started. Yeah, that's right. I remember that, yeah. And, th- and that's like a form of programming. It's kind of like shell scripting. Right, exactly. Yeah. I was thinking um, about that. It's kind of funny that I'm yeah. kind of shell now, because like, I feel like that was probably... Yeah, I think the batch files, that was before high school, so that was before I took my first programming class. I see. So in high school, you took a programming class. Yeah, I think in ninth grade, I took a basic class, and then I took probably one or two years of Pascal after oh, that. Nice. And then did you end up taking the AP computer science? Yeah, I took that. I see, I see. At some point, you knew that you wanted to major in computer science. Uh, no, I, actually, it wasn't like that. Oh. I, I actually, so I was, I had that period, like, when I was 13, 14, that I was really into computers, I think, with the BBSs. Yeah, so in high school, I pretty much just did my classes. Yeah, for some reason, when I was 14, I was like, oh, computers are for nerds. I don't want to do this. Like, I, I wasn't, and I don't think I was very good at it at that time either. I remember I bought a, a C book. Well, I, after the batch file thing, I wanted to learn C because apparently right. I had heard that all interesting software was written <laughs> in C. I mean, at the time, it right. probably was. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think it was true. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that far with C. I, I like, I think I could write tiny functions and stuff, but I couldn't like modify big programs. Sure, sure. So like, actually, I, I do have a memory of like the. There's a BBS software called WWIB. I don't know if you. No, that. I wasn't familiar with the software that actually ran BBSs. It was actually open source. I mean, it was all C codes. My friend ran a BBS. I didn't run one myself. Oh. They had like mods, which in retrospect were patches. Like I didn't. Oh, I see. You had to recompile to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People would distribute. You know, honestly, I feel like the mods were actually um, textual instructions oh. because, like the so you know, like the Unix patch tool. Yeah. Apparently, that hadn't been invented yet, and we were on DOS, 
you know, Git works with patches. Right. And, but this is even before right. patches, like pre, yeah. pre-Git, pre-patch tool. I'm pretty sure that, like, you just download a text file and it would say, like, at line 150 of, like, util.c, add these five lines. Oh, and you would have to manually go in yeah. and, and, and do that. Oh, yeah, okay, you would, like, manually patch this. Wow. According to instructions. That's, that's my memory anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was actually modifying a big program, but I have a memory of like, I must have followed the instructions wrong and I didn't really know. I couldn't follow the code because it's like right. so big. It's yeah. like, you know, all this low level operating system stuff. I mean, because in DOS, there's not a strong boundary between like, I guess the hardware and yeah. the applications or something. And I imagine talking to the modem or whatever is was probably pretty low level right. hardware. I had no yeah. I wasn't a hardware person. Yeah. Some people get into computers through tinkering with electronics, but that wasn't me. So right. I had no idea how PC hardware right. worked. Yeah. But anyway, my I guess my point was I did some of that, but then I remember having a a bug, and then I just like gave up on the whole project. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but it was fun at least tinkering with it, and when it did work, being able to build something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool because yeah, yeah, you were basically talking to your friends, and like they were calling, yeah. calling your BBS. I think I did run a BBS maybe for like a month or something. I see. But my friend ran one for more like a year or two. I see. So you had friends during high school who were also into computers. Yeah, well, this was, yeah, middle school. This was like eighth or ninth grade, I think, when I was 13, 14. But yeah, so after that, I decided I didn't like computers anymore. <laughs> During high school, yeah. Yeah, I was, I guess I started playing guitar when I was 13, too. I see. So I was like, uh, I was like, guitar is a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, no, it still is. Uh, yeah. So when you were heading to college, had you decided on a major before you went to college? Basically, what happened is my parents wanted me to major in computer science. <laughs> oh, why, why was that? Well, because they were like, oh, when you were 13, you liked it so much. But I, <laughs> when I was like 15 or 16 or 17, I was using computers, but I wasn't programming at all. Well, I, I took those two classes. I was basically just doing my schoolwork. Right? I see. So I wasn't actually super into it. So I think maybe I have a slightly different background. Mm-hmm. Like, So when I, I went to a summer program after junior year when I was 16. So I took, there I took like uh, writing like mm. and uh, psychology class. I see. Right, so that was kind of my interests then. Got it. Um, so I, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't want to do anything with computers. I mean, I still liked, I sort of liked math. I was good at math. Right. I would say my interests were basically math and music and to some extent, you know, psychology and writing. That's interesting that your parents pushed you into it, because I feel like traditionally parents are more likely to push towards, like, doctor or lawyer, and I feel like, especially in the 90s, it wasn't as clear then that engineering was as stable a job. Yeah, I mean, that was, like, probably 97. I went to school in 97 as a freshman, so I think by 96 it was actually, it was in the media a lot. I guess that's true. They probably did. I don't know. I Wait, Windows 95 had come out a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think it was in the air. Like, I was... There was definitely a period of, like, lower prestige yeah, <laughs> for yeah. programming. I think that's when I got out of college when, like, the dot-com bubble right. burst. But I think people did talk... I mean, my parents did have computers around. My mom used computers for her work. I see. And you were happy to, to go along and be a computer science major. No, I wasn't really, but I didn't have any other, like... I see. So I didn't want to do it, but I actually, like, I pretty quickly liked it. It was it was, it was a good fit for me, for right. sure. I just, like, for some reason, I guess I didn't have an alternative. I remember them saying, well, what are you going to major in if you're not going to major in computer science? I see. And I really liked music, but I guess I wasn't... Majoring in music in college is completely different than, like, yes. playing music... It, it, playing guitar. It favorite. requires a lot of dedication and many, many hours of practicing outside of class, yeah. Right. I mean, I was actually friends with a bunch of music majors in college, too, so it's like, yeah. I know what they... And my friend who ran the BBS, he majored in music, too. At, I see. At, like, NYU. That, yeah, that was definitely my thing, but I, I, I could already see, like, what you learn in college in music is not, you know, it's not exactly... It's not like you're going to be 
professional musician, right? Oh, right, right. <laughs> and it's not going to make you, like, a pop star or something. Right, yeah, right. right. So, right. yeah. I guess I had no other... I, that would probably be the only other idea. Or maybe psychology. I think that was probably the okay. other yeah. thing that I wanted, wanted to major in. But for some reason, I, I don't know. It just wasn't considered yeah. that serious. I feel like I didn't know anybody who right. majored in psychology. And you mentioned you went to Cornell. Mm-hmm. For Cornell's computer science program, did you have to apply for that specific major? Or could any Cornell student become a computer science major? I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty sure I, when I entered, I was a computer science major. Okay. I don't think I had to, like... Yeah, I applied... I think you had to select a major when you started. I was already I was already settled by the time I started. It was mainly, like, the year before I went there. Yeah. was when there was some... Like, I was like, I don't really want to do this. Right. But I, I sort of accepted my fate. <laughs> <laughs> How did your feelings about computer science change during college? Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I took... The first year I took structure of an, an interpretation of computer programs, which is like that this course. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's an MIT course, but they had it at Cornell. Right. Um, it was, you know, like Sussman, Dableman. Yeah. So I didn't know that was important back then, but now people still study that book yeah. now. And in retrospect, it was really good. I mean, that definitely completely changed my view of programming. And I took that as a freshman in the first class. I see. I basically liked that and I was pretty good at it. And so I was like, I wasn't upset to be a computer science major. Right. Like it, it definitely fit how I thought about things. Yeah. Did you know when you were at Cornell, how, how lucky you were to be at like a top computer science school? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if I thought of it that way. Yeah, in retrospect, I learned a lot there. It was great. Yeah. But so I did, <laughs> I did get rejected from like almost every school. Oh, I see, I see. But you met at Cornell, it's an excellent school. Yeah. Right, right. But I, I applied to like, so I applied to like the normal schools that your parents would want you to apply to. Like, uh, so my sister went to Yale and I got rejected from oh, Harvard and Yale and MIT and Princeton. I see, I see. <laughs> but, but, and Stanford later. But so. New England schools mostly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, no. In retrospect, I think Cornell worked out great. It was like, yeah. I learned a lot there. I think it, your your background it does like it kind of does matter throughout your career. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought about some ways where what I learned there is kind of unique. well. For one, it, it it's it's like what they leave out and also what they include. So I I, just, I, I mentioned see. the Unix tradition thing. So Cornell has no Unix tradition, I like see. Berkeley or I think MIT and, and Stan- right. like Stanford they teach Unix yeah. and C. So Cornell actually you could you could do the whole degree without learning C. I see. And it but it was mostly Windows? It wasn't really... A, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, at least what I took was not project-based or mm-hmm. programming-based. It was all computer science. I see. Theory-based. Theory yeah, it was very theoretical. I think I remember at that time it did say Cornell. My mom had some like overview of the CS departments. And Cornell was definitely ranked one of the most theoretical. I see, I see. So as you... As you came to graduation from college, did you want to be a programmer at that point? Well, it was kind of also by omission, or not omission, but it was almost like a negative experience. So junior year the sum- that summer, so yeah, when I was a junior, I, I, for some reason I started to be interested in like artificial intelligence and stuff like that. I guess it actually ties into psychology and philosophy yeah. and like cognitive science. So that's really what I was interested in. Like, I was a computer science major, but I was still more interested in math and right. like, philosophy and psychology. And I, Yeah, I did a project. I, I think you would call it an AI, AI project. There was, like, this, like, autonomous underwater vehicle oh. project that someone started. I see. I think it was my sophomore or junior year. It was junior year. And so, yeah, that, that was an AI project. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing at all. I sure, sure. barely did anything barely accomplish anything on that project. But sure. <laughs> anyway, somehow so somehow I got a I got an internship at Xerox Park. Oh, uh, in California. Yeah. In Palo Alto. In Palo Alto. Oh wow. Junior year. Summer of two thousand. I thought I was gonna be a re- like a researcher or something like that. Got it. So um I mean my mom is a research yeah. researcher. She's like a professor of molecular biology. I, I thought I was like gonna go to Xerox right. Park and like do research. Yeah, no, I think that's 
very common, especially for college students, because what you see are researchers everywhere. All, all, all right. your, well, all, everything right. you know is 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 just researchers, and until you're exposed to the industry, the non-industry side of software, um, you don't really there. There's no like way to know about it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so you had an internship at Xerox Park as a researcher. I, I was an I mean I was an undergrad. I mean they only do research there, so I, I oh, that's I wouldn't true, call yeah. myself a researcher, but right, 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 right. right. But Xerox Park they only do research. So. Right, right. I they see. have like a few undergrads there, so most most of the interns were grad students, right? Yeah. But they they let a few undergrads in. So I mean I did I don't I don't feel like I accomplished very much there either. I guess maybe I had a little bit too high standards. Maybe they didn't really expect a bunch of <laughs> undergrads to really contribute anything. Right, right. But like I, I definitely felt like I didn't do much. I remember, well, I was working on a robotics project too. And basically, I just ended up like, like the simulator, I remember, was like kind of weird and janky. Mm. So I kind of like worked on the simulator, but sure. I'm pretty sure that they just threw that code out after it. <laughs> I mean, right, right. It's not, I would be really surprised if yeah, they yeah. used it for anything. So uh, like, I don't like, I guess that was my negative experience. I don't kind of, I kind of like, and same with the AUV project. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they might have thrown out. Right. I don't like that. So because you don't, then you don't get any feedback on right. if what you did was right or valuable or interesting. I definitely, as an undergrad, one summer I was like a researcher for a, a math professor, and he like came up with a proposal, something to work on, and I worked on it over the summer. But I'm pretty sure he never actually looked at the code, and it. It right, so they got got thrown away. That's a really common. Thing. I think that happens a lot. I think it's very hard, actually, for for the professor or the researcher to come up with like a well scoped project mm-hmm. that that they have time for. Have you ever been an intern post before? Uh, no, so I think that, I think that has something to do with it. Like, I didn't have a great experience interning, so then I never had a intern at Google, even though most most of my coworkers. When your coworkers had interns, hopefully they tried to make sure that whatever project the, the intern was working on ended up being used. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I'm trying to think back, I feel like actually in the later years Google had a problem with like um, even like full time employees were getting used. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on the team and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Some people don't seem that bothered by that. Yeah, like. It's like their first job at college or something. And like they'll work for like two months or two years or something. I felt like it was depressingly common that that <laughs> like in the later years. Like yeah. in the earlier years, there wasn't that much room for fat. But like, yeah. I tended to work on very uh, customer-facing projects that didn't have a lot of research involved. So so most of the things I worked on ended up getting used. But, mm-hmm. but part of that's also because... The first few years when I was at Google, I was more in like a researchy group, infrastructure style group that didn't face users. But uh-huh. after a couple years, I intentionally transferred to teams that were more client facing. Well, you worked on Chrome, right? Yeah. Uh, which eventually led to me working on Chrome, which is one of the most client facing Right, projects. I mean, everything in there is, is yeah. used. So but, well, no, <laughs> even but, no matter how obscure the feature, it's all used. But at this point, parts of the Chrome team do a lot of infrastructure things or uh-huh. do research or analysis. Things like phishing protection or like uh, security features tend to be a lot more researchy than... Right. Well, so at this point, Chrome has grown to be very large, and so there are parts where you could you could be part of the Chrome team and not... Right, uh, user-facing feature. Right. Well, it doesn't. I, I don't mean actually user-facing. I just mean it. The code has to like yeah run like right be, right. Like I actually work mainly on I would say like infrastructure, non-user-facing stuff. But you know, if it's running under the covers, that all counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I, I don't like is like when you have like an intern and like they just <laughs> yeah have some like play project and it gets thrown right. away. I, I mean, I I should probably phrase it that negatively. Well, I think what happens a lot now is because of machine learning, a lot of people end up doing machine learning experiments. Like maybe, you know, we can build a model to do right. such oh, and such. Sure. And they try to build the model and it doesn't actually work out. Right. And then at that point, 
there really isn't much to do other than oh, yeah. throw it out. Oh, I'm sure that's happening, like, every other day. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> There's um, an incredible number of, like, you know, intern AI projects being thrown and, out. And that's just how research goes, I feel like. Um, right. Yeah. You, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's fine. Maybe my, my standard is just yeah. different or something. It's like, yeah, I, I guess I was bothered by that, but no. Going back to the original yeah. question, yeah. I guess I thought I was going to, like do research or something, but mm-hmm. then I ended up not liking that kind of like, maybe it's uncertainty or, yeah, I guess there's a little uncertainty if what you did was valuable. Yeah. But I kind of do like programming now just because it's, it's very honest, right? It, it right. like works or it doesn't. Yeah. There's no explaining your way around it. Yeah. So like, I guess I, I did have a conversation. I remember when I was interviewing for one job, this guy asked me why I didn't go into research. And I was like, well... That your your output there is a presentation, mm-hmm. right? That's that's actually right, the yeah. output of research, right? Um, and he's like, yes. I mean, he, he had been in research too, and he yeah. switched to engineering. So I, I do kind of like the engineering because it's like you can point to something and say that works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you graduated college uh, and you were applying for jobs, was there a type of job you were looking for? No, I think I just I didn't have a particular idea. I did kind of like sit at home for four months after college. Yeah, I mean, I was applying to programming jobs, but I was still not doing very much programming at all. Like my last year, and like I did like a, a semester of a master's program. Like I was studying math instead. Like some all, all of the math classes counted for computer science, so I got a, a master's in computer science full of math classes. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. Uh, <laughs> That's you what I was interested in. Like, yeah. linear algebra classes or, exactly. like, uh... Yeah, I, took, I actually took, like, two semesters of, like, higher-level linear algebra, which yeah. math majors usually take. And I took right. two semesters of combinatorics. Right. And, like, right. I took geometry, like, non-Euclidean geometry. And stuff. Oh, okay. So that was my master's in computer science. Or were there, like, graph, graph theory classes... Yeah, the combinatorics one did a lot of graph theory. It's pretty related to computer science. Yeah, I feel like that's very related to computer science. Yeah. So then where did you end up as your first job out of college? Yeah, so I actually, I remember, so the funny thing is I took a music class on my last semester, and there was this guy, and I remember he said he was going to EA. He was also a computer science major. The the gaming company. Yeah. Electronic arts. Yeah, Electronic arts. So I met him my last semester, but it was in a music class. Yeah, so then I, I sat at home for four months or five months after graduating. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think I applied for some jobs and I didn't like them. And my parents were telling me to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I basically ended up cold emailing this guy, uh, Bernie, from that I remember from the music class. Oh, wow. Because I remember he was at EA. I was like, oh. So that actually was a big coincidence because he said, oh, we're actually looking for some audio people. Oh, and I had actually wanted to do audio because I was right. I was still more interested in uh, like music and audio. So I, yeah, in college I actually took like signal processing, you know, like sure. uh, electrical engineering courses. I think most most computer science people don't take that. Right, right. I didn't take any. Yeah. Yes, because I I took signal, signal processing because I I still like music and I like audio. I mean, I don't know if I really had any expertise in audio, but I think I had enough that there were willing to hire an intern. So my first job out of college was actually an internship at I see. EA. So I was technically, I was only signed on for three months. And so that was in Red, uh, Redwood City. Oh, okay. So it was in the Bay Area. Yeah. So I moved out from New Jersey to uh, the Bay Area. That was like spring of 2002. And mostly it sounds like you were, you were just happy to have a job and you didn't like have any specific expectations of anything specifically that you wanted to be working on. Right. I, well, I guess I did want to work on audio, but I wasn't good at it. So I, I've always been a little better at the like, like the mathematical side of things. Sure. Yeah. So like, but obviously making a game on audio, it's very applied, right? It's right. not really about math at all. Yeah. It's about engineering and programming. Yeah. So I wanted to work on that and I was glad I got that job, but it wasn't like a instant good fit. Right. And there's some struggles there for sure. So then where did you go next? The EA internship converted into, into a, a full-time, full-time job. Cause Got it. I mean, that was, I guess that was their, their way of right. just testing me out. Sure. So. Uh, 
So yeah, so I, I worked on, um, yeah, Tiger Woods Golf 2003, okay. 2004, 2005. They yeah. had a very like fast pace. I see. So like every... Yeah, every year you ship. Yeah, it was a good experience. I mean, and it was probably your first introduction to what it's like to be a software engineer at a company that's like trying to ship a product. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah, before that, like I said, I had that internship at yeah. Xerox Park, and before that, I had like I did some random like internships with like kind of like IT, I guess, like yeah. kind of like maintaining databases kind of thing. Like Microsoft Access was really popular at that time. Sure. So like every single like little like IT thing yeah. was doing using Microsoft Access. So I, like freshman and sophomore year. But that's that's completely different than shipping right. commercial software, right? Yeah. And it was probably new to you. I feel like most people in most college students have no idea like how different working for a software development company is versus like the college experience. Oh yeah. Like I feel like it doesn't really prepare you, but which is maybe okay because uh, you can you can learn you can learn these skills on the job. Um, no, no, I was definitely shocked. I don't think I had ever worked on. I think I had actually a lot less experience programming than mm-hmm. most people. You know, I had never worked. I probably never worked on a program that was except for like those like WWIV patches. Right, right. Like, more than a thousand lines. Like, I was only I writing, like, toys, basically. Right, right. For assignments or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And there was, like, algorithm. And I, I was okay at that stuff. I was pretty good at this stuff, I guess. But, um, yeah. But then, you know, EA is, like... Yeah. It's, like, a 250,000-line C code base. Yeah. And I didn't... I actually only knew C from... I didn't do any C at all in you college. Polished. Right, right. I did it in high school when I read a C book that I didn't, like, <laughs> you know, like... Right, right. I didn't... I never really completed any programming C. Yeah. So it was, like, a big shock. And um, I actually remember I, I got a pretty good book on C, like, the week before I got the internship. So it's just, like, a <laughs> yeah. book on C. It was kind of funny. Right. <laughs> so looking back at your experience at EA, did, did that make you more interested in computer science or how did that shape your view of computer science or being a programmer? Oh yeah, that was a really formative experience. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of taught me that, yeah, like I said, I was just shocked that like computer science doesn't have that much to do with programming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, should, well, I had a weird experience where I felt like I knew, like I knew a lot of stuff, but I was like probably the slowest person getting at getting things done at EA. Sure. There's definitely a little bit of a culture clash. I mean, I kind of, yeah. I guess I kind of got that job because I knew something about audio or something. Right. And I, and I did manage to do a decent job in the internship. Like, I mean, I did, yeah, I yeah. did a decent job, but like, yeah, I felt like, yeah, the other guys, I learned a lot from them. I learned, cause they were like more engineers. I always feel like there's some people who come to programming from, um, messing with machines and hardware. And then there's some people who kind of, kind of come from the more mathematical right, side. Right. So I definitely came from the, mathematical side. So it was really good because these guys were more like mechanically minded right. engineers. Yeah, more engineers rather than scientists. Right. Yeah, and game programmers tend to be like that as, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a rule, I think. It's a very different mindset. Yeah, definitely. And I, I was always, I kind of like the, they're very visual too. Like game people think of everything visually yeah. and uh, mechanically. And they I say. So it's like a totally different mindset. So anyway, my point is that they were very good at getting things done, even I though see. like, I mean, I remember having some conversations with them and they didn't, I actually knew a lot more linear algebra than those guys. Oh, sure. Like some of those, but obviously there's a bunch of linear algebra in the game. So I was like right. telling them stuff about linear algebra, but somehow they were able to get it done much faster. I see. Right, right. And about C, I actually knew C pretty well, like at least from a language lawyer point of view. Or right, like, right, right, right. Uh, the language point of view. Yeah, I remember my boss, like, I mean, he would ask me questions about C, like, there's, like, all this, like, trivia, like, around, like, the difference between pointers and arrays and C. Sure. Stuff right. like that. The game programmers, they don't care about. Right, <laughs> right. Stuff, right. Yeah. If the compiler accepts it uh, and it doesn't crash, yeah. Right, right. They just yeah. get it done. So it was, yeah. like, really shocking to me. I guess I just didn't, I mean, I was, like, sheltered or something. No, no, no. I, I think that's a very useful skill to have. Then what caused you to leave EA? I think that, well, the, the pace was kind of incredible. So people were working. I was probably working, like, 
50 or 60 hours a week. Yeah. But some people there literally work 70 or 80. Like, they were really... People who write games really love games. Well, I think that was the time when it was just coming into the news. Like, the treatment right. of employees at... Right. So I was part of that. That was I see. that was at EA Redwood Shores. So one of my co-workers then apparently sued the company. Right. Okay, it's kind of a funny story. So, yeah. I mean, I, I left EA and went to Google. Right around that time, that's when that EA spouse... Right. came out. It was like in the New York Times. Yeah, someone sued EA and EA settled. When I was already working at Google, they already settled the lawsuit, and so we all got like a settlement. I see, because it was a class action. Yeah, it was a class action. Why did you choose to go to, to look for a different job? Partially because of the work hours, it sounds like. Yeah, it was the, it was the hours. Actually, most of my team ended up quitting around the same time. I see. There was like 11 of us, or 12 on the Tiger Woods golf team and like yeah three or like four or five people left after, after we shipped Tiger Woods 2005 that was like late summer of 2004 we shipped that game yeah it was just everybody was like yeah we've had enough this, is, <laughs> this place is not managed very well and then uh, were you specifically trying to get a job at Google or were, did you just apply to a lot of places I think Google was the only place I applied so the, huh. I think there was a funny thing because that summer, 2004, so I was commuting from San Francisco to Redwood City. Okay. There was a billboard right outside the entrance, the exit to EA, the Redwood Shores entrance. It's like where the Oracle also yeah. is. So uh, there's a billboard, and there was like a it was like a white billboard with black text. It's basically a math problem. I forget what the math problem was. It was like it was basically calculating. An exponent. Oh, I think it was like the it was like the first prime, the first ten digit prime in the digits of e. Oh, I see. I see. Right. So it's like it was some math formula. Yeah, and it's yeah, completely yeah. unbranded. And it's like, yeah, find the first ten digit prime in the digits of e. I see. Yeah. So my one of my coworkers at the time at EA told me about Python. So we're all doing C programming. Uh-huh. So I wasn't. So, but I start, I started doing Python. The last year I was at EA. I see. Just for your, for fun or? Well, for, no, actually, for well. the cool thing was that I, I was working on the build tools at, uh, uh, for Tiger Woods. Got it. And they actually did, you could just use whatever you wanted. That was kind sure, of cool. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like it's a small team, so you can just, yeah. Hey, I heard of this new language like Python, and we're just gonna use that now. And right, right. Build, build pipeline. Cause it was all C back then, which was ridiculous, because it was segfaulting, like, all the time. Right, right. It's like game programmers writing Windows code is, like, a really bad... (laughs) Well, console programmers writing Windows code. Yeah. But anyway, so, so yeah, I basically solved that little math problem in Python. And so it led you to a website, and there was another math problem there. And then you solve that, and you go through, and it's like, oh, Google's hiring. I see. Right. So I think it was actually in the news. I remember there was a... Some of the billboards were in the news, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. I was like, oh, wow, Google. So that was summer of 2004, and then I guess I, after we shipped the game, I got the idea that I should go work there or something I like see. that. And then did you did you have an idea of what you wanted to work on at Google? So at that point, I was like totally burnt out on programmer programming. Uh-huh. I thought I was done. With, I wasn't, yeah, I was just struggling, I think, to get anything done. Like I said, everybody else was yeah. getting things done a lot faster. So I was actually thinking of like switching careers and stuff. I see. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, oh, maybe I should go to like HCI or something. I, sure. It was like a very brief. Human computer interactions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I was trying to like do something else, but I mean, that's a big job. I like doing Python. Python was pretty awesome. I think that changed, that actually let me get stuff done. I think right. in the first years, I wasn't getting that much done. I felt like I was struggling. But then the after I started doing Python, yeah, I started to like it a lot more. Right. Then, then, yeah, I would say that's a big, that was a big change. So then when I applied to Google, I don't have a strong memory, but I did apply for build tools. I mean, I also... Oh, okay. Well, we use Perforce a lot at EA, so I actually applied to be like a Perforce administrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, back then, um, it was a build in our grouplet, right? Wasn't it uh, Doug, Doug Green? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Greenman, yeah. Greenman, Doug Greenman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Doug Greenman. 
Yeah, exactly. So I think I, I'm pretty sure I was the first person hired for Build Tools. Oh, I see. Okay. As an official member of the Build Tools team versus before it was an inner grouplet, which basically meant a bunch of people volunteered to like maintain the build. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I remember I started, I started like January 2005 and then my, my boss, I was on the release engineering team because there's no build tools team. Right. But I was hired for the build tools team. Got and my boss, my boss started like a week or two later. I see. And at that time it was mostly Python. Is that um, the case? Or yeah. were they shell scripts maybe? No, it was a lot of Python. Okay. Well, there was both actually. Yeah. The, the build system was written in Python and then like the source control. There's like tools. There's like a, a wrapper around Perforce. Right, right. Was I it? see. So it was probably a much better fit for you than at EA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would say so. In, in some sense, it sounds like... Uh, well, yeah, I wanted to do audio stuff, and I did like a tiny bit of audio stuff, but it was, you know, most most programming is not like doing cool like audio engine stuff, right? Most, yes, that's for, right. For a game or at Google or anything. Yeah. Most programming is like shoveling stuff around. Right. So like... Python basically lets you shovel stuff around, which I find. Yeah. It, it makes programming a lot less tedious. It, it sounds like, though, there was a little sense of uh, imposter syndrome while you were at EA, uh, just because you were so new to C. But I imagine, actually, everybody who starts at C, like, the first year or five years or so is probably pretty rough, just because the language itself is pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, C is hard to learn. Yeah. But the, the, I think the irony, though, is I feel like, like I was saying, like, I knew C better in some respects than that's my true. coworkers. Yeah. Like, they would ask me questions about right. C, like all this, like, trivia, but that didn't translate into getting anything yeah. done. Right, right. That didn't translate. There, I mean, there's very much, EA very much had a culture of getting things done. Yeah. Which I appreciate in retrospect. It's kind of like the opposite. Like, I guess I came a little bit more from a, like an academic Right. Point. So I was like, it was a shock for me to be confronted by yes. like these like real hardcore engineers. Yeah. I, so I think that's, it's just a valuable experience. Like you yeah. want to be exposed to like people who think differently. Than, but know. those engineers also probably have way more experience than you. Actually, the funny thing is like a lot of those guys were like, I was like 22 at the time. Uh-huh. A lot of them were like 24 and 25. Okay. So they had two or three years of experience. Yeah. I mean, the, the managers were like 30, 31. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the funny thing is, like, people always said, like, Google is such a young company. Uh-huh. But when I got there, I thought it was old. <laughs> really? I <laughs> was like, yeah. yeah. Like, all the people at EA were so young. Right, right. It, it was a very, it's a very young company. They would hire a lot of sure. young people and kind of, like, burn them out. Basically. Well, and it's a gaming company. And, and I think people, younger people are, at the time, uh, younger people were more into games. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I don't know if I had imposter syndrome. I guess I had, like, I had to adjust my mental model pretty severely (laughs) to become a good programmer. So I wasn't a good programmer even after my first job. I I feel like I wasn't a good programmer even after starting Google. Sure, sure. Because all I had done was, like, uh, you know, no, I mean, I guess I was was pretty good at Python, but I was inexperienced. I would say, like, the first, I think I only wrote a program for fun. Like, the first program I wrote for fun, I mean, there's a few, but, like, a, a bigger one. Like, I wasn't a person who wrote programs for fun. Right. Um, I think I think most yeah, people yeah. who are programmers, like, who, like, at least their first job out of college is programming, they probably wrote some programs for fun. Maybe. Uh, that that might have been true, like, when we were in college, but, but I think that's changing a lot now. Oh, okay. Well, did, what about you? I mean, did you, like... I did um, I, I wrote some programs for fun, but these days I feel like the reasons people are interested in, in working at a as a programmer, especially at a company like Google, has, is it's right, right. much more varied now. Than yeah, it got warped for sure. A lot of people, yeah. right? No, I know what you're saying. Like, there's kind of in the past five to ten years, there's definitely been a flood of people in the industry because they're like, oh, this is where you get good jobs. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, not everybody is. Looking to become a software engineer because okay, uh, that's they, fair. Because they're they love programming, uh, right? Right. No, but I, I wanted to do something I liked. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely didn't come try to get a job as a programmer because I thought it was a good job. That was definitely I not see. my. I think I told you I I got it because that was something else you could do with a computer science degree 
That was not right. being a researcher. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then, so you were doing some build tools uh, in Python at Google. How long were you working on build tools? I worked on that team from like 2005, beginning of 2005 to like end of 2007. So like three okay. years. Yeah, that was a good experience for me because yeah. I feel like that's when I really... I mean, I did learn a bunch about programming at EA for sure. I mean, right. that was a very big learning experience. But yeah, working on build tools actually, that I, I have a good memories of that because I think I, I definitely sharpened my skills. Then. Right. I think it was like sort of a thing that was maybe not respected or like, oh... It's like, that's not like yeah. search or like, right, right, right. like writing C servers in C++. Yeah. That was sort of like the prevailing culture, maybe. I think, yeah, back at back in those days, it was. Yeah. Right. But I, that didn't really bother me because I didn't think I was a good programmer. Right, right. <laughs> After my experience at EA, I was like, oh. it's like, I'm just going to like do this job and it's probably going to be, I'm just going to go in and do my job. <laughs> so, so then did you have any aspirations while you're on the build tools team of like where for your career of like where you would be in like five years or, or anything like that? No, pretty much not yeah. at all. Like you're just kind of going with the flow. And yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to scale it back. I think I told you like when I, um, when I applied to Google, I actually applied to be a performance administrator. Oh, <laughs> so right, that would right. be like an easy job. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> well, cause like, I don't, I don't want to, cause I actually did like, administer the Perforce stuff at EA because every team ran their own source controls. Got it, server. Right. And I was actually helping the artists a lot. Like yeah. the artists would actually check in all their like I see. assets to Perforce at EA. But so at the time was, you said that you probably didn't realize that at Google there was one gigantic Perforce repository. Right, right. And, and and managing that is 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 more than a one-person job. <laughs> That's true, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of ironic because it was not an easy job at all. Yeah. Actually, so I worked with those guys. I mean, I was on the build tools team, and they were the Perforce team was managed by the same manager. I see. So I, see. I worked directly with them. Right. But, right. It's not an easy job at all. I, I couldn't yeah. have done that job. That's yeah. a hilarious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I underestimated their right. job. Just like probably a lot of people underestimate build tools. Right. Right. Uh, and build tools at Google in particular is is a very daunting job because Google has one code base and everybody is yep. building off of it. I mean, I wasn't working on this. I was working on, like, the source control part and, like, mm -hmm. code review tools. Oh, okay. I mean, I worked on G4, right? So G4 was a wrapper for Perforce. Yeah. And actually, that's how I started working with uh, Guido Benrasov. Right. Because he started... I started at the beginning of 2005 and he started mm -hmm. at the end of 2005. So right. we were on the same team. And... Uh, yeah, so he basically wrote uh, Mondrian, which was the first uh, kind of like web-based code review tool at Google. I mean, right. I think there was there was actually a pre we had looked at some open source like web-based code review, but yeah, I mean, Guido wanted to write his own, and I think sure. that made sense. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I don't. You were there for that. I think a lot of the funny thing about that is like how quickly Mondrian went from like. Uh, we don't need a uh, web-based code review tools right. like, to like, why is this down? <laughs> like, he just like made this thing and like put it up and then all of a sudden like people were, in, were indignant. Like the people yeah. who just like started like that week <laughs> at Google were like indignant that it was down. Like, cause he, I don't think he was really like a, a person who was good at making like stable web apps. Right, right. It wasn't right. exactly stable and Google at that time was growing yep. a lot and the Perforce server was slow because Google was growing a lot. Yes. So, but you were there before because a lot of people don't remember the way you right. used to do code reviews was yes. you like, well, you did the G4 mail and then you emailed, it had a diff in it, line? It was all um, uh, an inline diff uh, right. that was sent over email and people would just add comments in line. Right, you just quote the diff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is funny, like, yeah. Like, which, which I believe is how it still works, for example, like on the Linux kernel. That's true. Kernel still does that. I think uh, they still do that. Some some older projects probably still do that. Sometime around 2005, 2006, Google switched to using a web-based diffing tool where you could write the comments in line. And it, was much, it was much nicer. <laughs> right. Yeah, so basically I was working on the command line wrapper right. G4. And yeah, Guido was working on the web-based code review tool. Right. So it was actually big. Like the, that, So G4 was like... A, yeah, actually, this kind of leads into my shell project because it was actually like 
10,000 lines of shell, and then like probably like a few thousand lines of Python and Perl. There's like this big mismatch of like shell scripts. Right. Shell, Python, and Perl. Yeah, basically I rewrote the whole thing in Python. It actually, it took a long time. It took over two years. Yeah, to, to provide some context, uh, since you left Google a couple of years ago, um, you've been working on an open source shell project. Uh, do you want to describe it at a high level? Yeah, um, it's called uh, the Oil Shell. It's oilshell.org. I guess a, a lot of people misunderstand the name, but the, yeah, I guess the idea is it's like shell is like the glue. It's like oil and metal, right? So like C, C++ um, or C or Go or whatever is like your metal programs. And you I have see. to need some like oil to make it all work together. So make it run smoothly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I'm working on an open source Unix shell. I guess that experience when I was working back, I mean, that was definitely my first experience with shells. So like I told you, I had never used Unix before mm-hmm. I started at Google because like EA is all right. Windows and at Cornell, I was doing like more theoretical stuff in the Unix tradition. Yeah. So that was actually my first experience with shell. So there was a, definitely this feeling that, well, when I got there, everyone's like, we have to rewrite this monster shell script. Right. Cause it was like super slow. Yeah, it was slow and like nobody could understand it and they kept yep. introducing bugs into it. Yes. How, how do you, how do you unit test the shell script and so forth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that seemed like a reasonable. Well, I think it was kind of like a hot potato thing. Everybody wanted <laughs> to like, in theory, everyone was frustrated with this tool and they knew that it was like the way it was written was like not maintainable and right. not the way it should be. But it was honestly kind of like a thankless task, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Who, who really wants to, like, rewrite a 10,000-line shell script? Yes. And I remember people would also be very, um, they would get very upset if you made it any slower than mm-hmm. it already was. And and I think running Python at that time at Google was exceptionally difficult to, to run it performantly. Uh, I feel like there was a bunch of, like, slowness from reading a bunch of things at Python startup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch of that. Yeah, it's like, yeah I dealt with a lot of that. Actually, yeah. the funny thing is I still hear about that problem. But yeah. Yeah. Actually, and, I still remember the exact issue. was a little embarrassing, but... Uh, so how did you decide what where to go next within Google? I think I, I still really like Python. Um, so I, the next team I worked on was uh, Google Code. And I think that was probably the only like, user-facing, ser- or one of the few user-facing services that were written in Python. Mm. I think Google Groups was, but that, those were probably like the only two. Right. Um, most of the user-facing stuff was like C++ or Java. I see. So you were specifically looking for a Python project to continue working on. Yeah. I mean, mainly just because I felt, I felt really productive in Python. And I, and I like DevTools. So Google Code is obviously DevTools, but right. it's for like... You know, a public, it was a public facing project. I mean, for people who don't know, it was basically like GitHub or SourceForge. It was a, yeah, it was like SourceForge. It's a code hosting service. Uh, so that, I think that project started around 2006 and I joined in like late 2007. I see. And I remember my manager gave me an invite to GitHub like in 2008. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so we were like checking out the Very early, yeah. competition. Yeah. And then while you were on that team, I, did you have as much freedom to like pick your own projects or was it more more your manager telling you what? Uh, so I think I had less freedom on that team. So the, yeah, the build tools team was good because I was just working on yeah. my own thing and I felt like it was valuable and I would get, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't working as much with my coworkers, but I get a lot of feedback from the users, right? Sure. Whenever sure. you like your users, yeah. people always want more stuff <laughs> right. from their development tools. So yeah. they wanted to be, like, like you said, people would always complain it was slow. I got yeah, yeah. all that complaints, and they would complain if there's any bug. Yep. And actually, you'd be surprised, like, how much... I don't know how many engineers were at Google back then. Maybe, like, probably, like, 2005. There was probably, like, 1,000 or 2,000 yeah, engineers. Yeah, something like that. And then maybe by 2007, there was, like, I don't know, four or 5,000. Right, yeah. But I think you'd be surprised, like, how much... If you have, like, four or 5,000 people, like... Every day hammering on your code, like how much feedback you get. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I can imagine, and all sorts of different configurations, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I actually ported it to Mac and Windows, but in like, I think it was the same thing. It didn't work on Mac at all. 
like one day, and then the next day people are like, "Why doesn't this work on a Mac?" <laughs> They're like, like the people who like started that day were like, "Right, this should work." I just expect this to work. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Bell Tools was good. I like that. Google Code, I had less freedom. I was working more with, you know, under a team. And obviously the people there who are already on the team, they started the project. They knew a lot more about the code. Right. And they knew a lot more about the product. Right. So, uh, but overall that was a good experience, but I had less freedom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I worked there for like 18 months. That was like late 2007 to the middle of 2009. I see. And then where did you go? Google Code moved to the San Francisco office during that time. Mm -hmm. That was like 2008. And then 2009, uh, yeah, I guess I, st I, I started to have, that's kind of a longer story, but the, I like Google Code, but like I had a problem with my manager. I, see. He actually, I think he actually left too, but anyway, it doesn't matter. So I yeah. moved to a different team at the San Francisco office that was like an index metrics team that was like with Kerry uh, Grimes. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So index quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they, that was, well, so on Google code, I was doing more production stuff, right? So on build tools, I actually didn't do anything with production really. I see. Like Borg. I remember the, I remember like those emails, like you will be assimilated by the Borg or something. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to get everybody to like write Borg configs for their jobs. Sure. I remember that, but I didn't actually do anything with that. Right. When I was on the build tools. Although my coworkers were, cause they were trying to put, Builds in production. Sure. And then would you say, as you went to various teams at Google, did you feel like you had like an end goal in mind? Like anything specific you wanted to work on or like where you wanted to be? Yeah, I guess I, I'm a, I've always been a little more like, I guess like technology motivated. I liked working with Python basically. I see. And I, actually on Carrie's team, I learned R and I like R okay. too. Sure. Yeah. Um, statistical uh, library. Yeah, statistical programming language. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I had any... I'm not really a goal-oriented person. I think that was a little bit of a culture. I feel like the like in the early days, people just do things for, like, the heck of it. Right. <laughs> and that did, like you're saying about people getting jobs in Silicon Valley, I feel like it became almost too goal-oriented. or Sure, sure. Like I mean, I think most companies are goal-oriented. Yeah, or I guess a career oriented. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah. obviously you want to have goals. My goals were, I like, like I said, I like getting some feedback from people sure. who are using software. That's right. a goal. I like things to be finished, right? Right. But career wise, I guess I'm led more by that than career. Right. Because I do feel like there's, I don't know, actually when I joined Google, I feel like, um, one thing I was shocked by, I think, not, maybe not shocked, but at least later there was, it was a little bit career-oriented. At EA, that was not the case at all, right? Everybody was there was there to make games. I see. For the love of making games. Yeah. Right, right. For sure. I mean, there's no... I mean, the pay was way lower. Right, right. Was, the pay in the games industry is, like, significantly lower than... Right, and um, the hours are greater. Yeah. Right. So it was all done for, like, interest. Yeah. And I think most people at Google are like that. But I feel like later, um, it did become a little more career-oriented. And there's... There did seem to be a lot of like memes around like which things you should do sure. to get like advance your career. Right. But it sounds like those were never your motivators. Your motivators were more you wanted to work on interesting projects. Yeah, I wanted and... to be a better programmer because I yeah. realized I was not a very good one. And then I wanted to learn more stuff. I eventually started learning a lot more about distributed systems and algorithms right. and operating systems and programming languages. So that was like kind of the, the latter half of my career at Google was learning about all those things. But yeah, I, I kind of did that. I mean, that is good for your career, I guess. But yeah, I kind of did that for the interest, I would say. But yeah, I, I try not to pay too many attention to the memes about which things are right. important to work on. I think you're a good example of somebody who is very, who's very happy with his time at Google and your career. And at the same time, you found a place at the company while not being focused on promotions or right. uh, being a manager. I, I think it's hard right. in a lot of places to be an individual contributor without being on the some sort of track, management track right. or promotion track or whatever. But it sounds like you found a place for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's how I describe Within it. Within the company. I think yeah. that's a good way of putting 
putting it. I, mean, I think I basically found a way to make myself useful. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm proud of the things I finished. I managed to finish some things, you know, so right. I, I appreciate that. I think I'm a, obviously a way better programmer. Everything, right. almost everything I learned about programming is yeah. from the time at Google. I worked on like four, four or five different, so yeah. I had a pretty good, like, diversity of problems and experiences. Right. Yeah, so I, I actually only got promoted twice at Google in like 11 years or something. <laughs> I mean, but but that's the expectation as well. That once you get to... Right, yeah, so a senior software engineer. Yeah, once you get to senior software engineer, you don't have to keep getting promoted. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that's also a mentality that you don't often hear about, that that you you don't have to keep getting promoted to, to be happy or to be useful to the company. Right. No, yeah, I agree with that. It, it is a little... I'm. That's largely my viewpoint. My viewpoint is largely, like, I like working on these problems and, like, I'm doing interesting stuff. Yeah. And I'm being paid, so... Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think you would have any difficulty finding, you know, a role at another tech company now with that kind of motivation. Right. It, it still is very employable, although it's not the narrative you often hear in the industry. Now that you've left Google and you're working on oil shell, what motivates you? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess I guess I like being productive. I want programming to be fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess for me. I think that's a pretty common motivation among people who are designing programming languages or making programming languages. We're all just kind of like, like well, I mean, I like work with Weedup. That was definitely his motivation. Sure. Like, he just wanted the language that yeah. for himself to program in. Right. Right. So that's very so much... he would like to program in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's actually amazing that, like... So he joined Google in 2005, but, like, at the time he joined, like, everybody was using his programming yeah. language. I mean, there was a lot of Python at Google at that time. I right. mean, it wasn't really, like, in search and infrastructure, but Python was the default language that was not for, like, everything besides, like, super high-performance stuff. Right. right. Besides production services, it was like kind of the glue. All, all these internal tools, yes, even internal services. I mean, at that time, it was notable that Google was using Python. Now it's like right. a standard, which I think is funny. But around two thousand five, right. people would say, "Oh, Python is an interesting language because <laughs> Google uses it." Right. That was like an interesting thing. Yes. It's like hard to remember that. I, I mean, I think it dates back to even Larry and Sergey. They started. Right, Sergey was yeah. Sergey was a Python programmer in like the '90s, which is crazy. Yeah, right. Like I didn't use it until 2003, but apparently he yeah. was using it really early. Okay, so that, yeah, the motivation for Oil was basically it's like about productivity and being in the flow. Sure. I like Shell because you just like type the stuff yeah. you want to happen, and it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. I like interpreters. Like I, I learned R. That go, kind of goes back to college because I did do a bunch of like MATLAB. Programming right, in right. college, and I in this that's you know structure interpretation of computer yeah. programming that was this. I would say actually most of the programming I did in college was in MATLAB or right. little Lisp. That was kind of a weird thing. I did very little Java and no C. Right, and it was almost yeah. It's a little bit weird to have a computer science degree with so much MATLAB. Maybe because I was taking like the courses I was taking. I mean. Computer science is more about the theory. Computer science doesn't really have to do with computers. It's, it's mostly just... It, right, right, right. Uh, it's mostly numbers. It's, yeah, I mean, but I, I think it's important to bridge the two. I mean, I think that's yeah. kind of what oil is about. So I'm trying to basically bridge theory and practice. Yeah. Because in theory, you're like... You know, there's like theories about parsing, but if you like right. look at a real parser... <laughs> right. They're like just like... I mean, so Bash actually uses Yak, which is like... Right. In theory, it's LR parsing, uh-huh. but in practice, they're just like scribbling all over oh, the place with like random C code. I see. It's like very, it's a little disturbing I how like actual software works. Right, right. <laughs> There's still actually a very big gap between like yeah. programming and computer science. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, it sounds like you're motivated by just your interest in the subject matter rather than like money or power or influence. <laughs> uh, with, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, with, which is good. But that you can still, you know, have a very successful career with those interests. Yeah. I mean, the, the way I like to think, I mean, this is kind of like a post-hoc rationalization, but like, sure. the way I think of it, if, I mean, if people wanted like advice, I mean, 
I try not to give advice, but some people have asked me for advice. Uh-huh. It's like, if you're always trying to work on the thing that's the sexiest thing or the most popular thing, uh-huh. you're competing with everybody else who's like, like, why do you think you're smarter than them? <laughs> I see, I see. Right, right, right. right. Like, there's so many smart people at Google, right? Like, right. You're, you're going to be the smartest guy at Google? Probably not. Like, right. You should probably, like, do something that you're good at that's valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of the situation with, like, maybe, like, machine learning now. Right. Like, if you're really into machine learning, the time to do it was, was when there was some risk, right? Ten years ago, there was actually a bunch of risk right. to doing machine learning because yes. it was out of fashion. Yes. I was interested in machine learning, like, in college, like, 15 years ago. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I saw, I saw all the limitations. There was a reason it was out of fashion. Right, right, right. It, yes. It's only been with the really large data sets and some breakthroughs in neural network that it's right. coming into fashion. Like, right. Yeah. So if you're working on what you're interested, like if you were, you know, in 2005, you're working on machine learning, you're interested. That's great because now you're probably benefiting a lot from it because you have like 10 years of experience. Right. That. But if you're like trying to get into machine learning now, it's like, in my opinion, at least, it's like you're swimming upstream. Right. You're just competing with a lot of other people. Right, right. You're not going to get to work on what you want to work right. on. Right, yeah. And so you don't always have to pick whatever is the hottest computer trend to be successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that there's value to not just doing what right. you're interested in, not thinking about what's hot. Because, right. well, I mean, venture capitalists say this too. They're, they said like business school graduates, they're always like fighting the last battle. Oh, I see. They're like, whatever they learned in school was like the last battle. I see. I see. So like... They're like a little bit behind the curve. Right, right. Whereas if you kind of have like some little bit of in, intrinsic motivation, you can like at least smell what is interesting and what your friends are into, like that. Yeah, I think that I think that that really resonates. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, oh, sure.